Welcome back to another episode of Backlash Podcast. This week I'm solo. The Hoppies had a few things going on. Quite honestly, I had a few things going on too. So we're looking to talk this week to Steve Jensen, Jensen's Fish Hunts Guide Service out of northern Wisconsin. We're going to talk a little bit about fall fishing right now, talk uh, turnover, kind of talk a little bit about how the season's going, and then we're going to talk a little bit about how, you know, what, what the plan should be to try to finish up the season. And then we're going to talk to Mike, who is the promoter for the Chicago Muskie Expo and the Milwaukee Muskie Expo. We've had a few people reach out and ask us about shows, what the status of shows are this coming winter. I figured why not, you know, instead of just relaying secondhand information, why not just go right to the source and get it? So I'm going to talk to Mike, and he's going to kind of give you an update on what's going on for the shows this year. And spoiler alert, we're planning on being at four of them, so that should give you an idea where we're going. We're going to be at Chicago, we're going to be at Milwaukee, then we're going to go to Minnesota, I believe, and we finish the season in Wausau. I think that's how that is. It used to flip-flop, used to be Minnesota was last, but I don't believe Minnesota is last anymore. Anyways, so we're planning on being at four shows this year as long as nothing changes between now and then, and hopefully nothing changes between now and then, and so that's the plan. As per usual, if you're looking to get gear right now, you can check out TeamRhinoOutdoors.com. And we continue to push more and more and more as far as getting product in stock. So we're trying to gear up as much as we can. So if you need gear, check out TeamRhinoOutdoors.com. And the other place you can check out gear would be Musky Mayhem Tackle. They're the original big-bladed Flashaboo Bucktails. Hopefully I did Brad and Carrie proud on that one. So if you could check their stuff out at MuskyMayhemTackle.com. If you're still out chasing fish with blades, which I know people in the south, they probably still are. And if you listen to Carrie on any of the past podcasts, Carrie thinks that musky anglers would be pleasantly surprised if they were still out chasing muskies throwing blades right now. And so you can find them at muskymayhemtackle.com. Again, we have a huge selection of their products as well as tons of other blades and rubber and sucker rigs and jerk baits, everything. So that's about all I have for today. Hopefully everybody's been out enjoying the, uh, the fall, putting some fish in the net. And I'm going to start my first conversation with Steve Jensen, Jensen's Fish Hunts Guide Service. All right. My guest today is Steve Jensen, Jensen's Fish Hunts Guide Service. If you're familiar with the podcast, as which most of you probably are, I talk about my adventures with Steve fairly frequently. We had an adventure in September that was uh, fairly successful. And unfortunately, with due to the circumstances this year, Steve, that was, I think, the only time I came to visit you, wasn't it? Yeah, true story. Uh, not as much boat time together with my little buddy this year. Uh, but we did have a good trip while you were here, so that was awesome. Always look forward to having you up here. It's always fun. We always have a good time, regardless of the fishing. Uh, but this year we got some nice fish, so that was a little icing on the cake. Uh, but unfortunately, we only made it to Hayward one time this year, so we're going to have to do better on that next year for sure. Yeah, we are. Eventually, I'll edit something, and you can see Steve's awesome tiger. I mean, it's pretty, pretty much the... Uh, the prettiest fish that swims in fresh water, in my opinion, and that one was no exception. It was a, it was a rare beast that you get up there. But technically, it wasn't a rare beast because didn't you beat that one like two weeks later? <laughs> so you are correct. As you know, I love chasing these big tigers up here, and we don't have a ton of tigers, and it's basically impossible to target tigers. But I certainly have different lakes that produce more tigers than others, and uh, there are certain times of the year that produces more tigers than others. So. We were fortunate enough to put a couple of real big tigers. In fact, the biggest is all just over 48 inches, real big one. And I got one that was, we didn't measure it, but probably 46-ish anyway, maybe a little more. 
I've, I've had some other tigers of, you know, magnum proportions, 46 to over 48 inches uh, in the boat in the last few years. So there's certainly been a rise in larger tigers in our area, which is a cool thing. Definitely been a, a highlight of the season probably is those, those great big tigers. So that's kind of why I got you on, Steve. I was looking for a guest. I had just gotten off a weekend of fishing with my daughter, which it was unsuccessful because I'm not a very good musky fisherman, as you know, <laughs> as you very well know. And so, anyways, it was uh, it was unsuccessful in the fact that we caught fish. If you were looking to get Dunkin' Donuts coffees, which my daughter was into, that's <laughs> we were super successful with that. She got uh, Dunkin' Donuts three days in a row. So super successful. Yes, Beautiful. it was a good trip. Coldest I've ever been up in the Northwoods as far as staying in the camper. I've I've been up by you before and. We've had uh, issues with trolling motors <clears throat> breaking and freezing and oh, absolutely. Uh, live well lids freezing down and all that stuff, which, you know, so Steve, we'll talk about your season, but let's talk about right now. I mean, for crying out loud, you've probably barely even had cold weather up until, like, say, the last four days to deal with up there. Yeah, in, in no, Hayward. true story. Uh, we hadn't had a serious frost until, I think, three or four days ago. Um, and now we've had a couple, three in a row. Um, it's definitely cooling things down. I've seen the water temp drop pretty significantly during, over the last week, which has actually helped the bite, got things going a little bit better. It's It's been weird, uh, way, 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 way nor, uh, warmer than normal temperatures here um, all the way through the month of October. So uh, definitely made things different uh, than the usual, but uh, we've, we've done okay. We're still catching fish, and... Uh, Fortunately, by the time uh, the really good fall fishing gets here, I'll probably be done fishing in a, in a tree stand trying to shoot a deer. So that's the way things go. Mother Nature rules all, as you know. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And especially this year, it's just been kind of strange how things have played out. I've you know, talked about you know fishing here, and I've tried to play around with the trolling game a little bit. Maybe it was a tad premature just because of, like you talked about, we haven't had any cold weather, and the, and the water temperatures have made a pretty significant drop. But I often wonder, you know, like how quickly those fish will transition. I mean, and we, and we can talk right. about it. You can offer your opinion. How fast do you think they do transition? Because we've seen the significant drop. I know a couple of weeks back I was up in the, you know, that Pelican Lake area. And I don't always, I always talk about Pelican Lake, but I don't always specifically fish that area, you know, that right. lake. There's right. a bazillion lakes in the area. And one of the lakes I was on, it was like 64 and we only had like four hours and my daughters wanted to troll. And I was like, all right, I don't feel great about this, but whatever. We only, we only have a short period of time. I just winterized the camper. And then this last weekend, it was cold. So she's kind of a wimp when it comes to cold. And <laughs> so, I, I again, I, I she wanted to troll and I didn't feel necessarily that great because the water temperatures have made such a significant decrease. How quickly yeah. do you think those fish will will change locations because i know you talked about it i I had asked you on thursday you know kind of what your thoughts were on things and you'd you'd uh, explain things to me you know typically when the water temperatures are in those mid 60s there's still a lot of fish in that shallow water area and now i've seen i saw water temperatures yesterday into 49 degrees already and how quickly and that and that was you know i mean this is seriously over the course of a week probably two weeks maybe at the most how quick do you think those fish will will move when they when they start to sense those temperature drops? I mean, is it something that happens overnight? Is it something that happens over the course of a week? Like, what's your thought process there? Um, you know, it kind of depends. Uh, depends on the lake. Depends on the fish. Uh, obviously, muskies are sort of like humans. They don't all do the same things. They don't all react the same way. But that being said, it's been a very very quick transition for the most part. These fish will make a move literally within a day or two. 
if you have the right conditions, but you got to have that drop in water temperature. When the water keeps rising and or staying at the stable temperature, you are not getting uh, that normal uh, drop and those fish don't transition nearly as fast. It all depends. When you do get that cold snap like we're getting now, I'm seeing quite a few fish showing up within a couple of days in that 15 to 20 foot range uh, where they hadn't been present uh, previously. And again, kind of depends on the body of water. Uh, some of my shallow lakes, they will move to that deeper range, which is only 10 or 15 feet uh, versus some of the deeper lakes, which that, that deeper range could be 10, 20, even 30 feet of water. And for me, I was targeting much like you said there, the, about that 15 foot range in the particular body of water I spent on Saturday. And I noticed there was bait in like one corner of the weed. So I kind of pounded that more, but I didn't notice an extreme amount of bait out there. So it's possible that, you know, again, we made a mistake and we should have been pushed up a little further and done some casting. You know, hindsight's twenty twenty. I wish, I, could, in a, I, I like I said, I, I love going on the water with my daughter. You know, Alexis, she's, she can fish almost as hard as almost anyone oh, I've for fished sure. with. I just wish that it would have been a little bit nicer of conditions because I think I would have played around a little bit more with the casting bite because I didn't feel like it's full-on trolling. It, you know, this right. you know, October is usually, you know, by mid-October, you can usually find a good trolling bite in a lot of places, and I'm obviously this year is totally different compared to what we dealt with before in the past. So right. I don't necessarily feel like uh, that's probably the best call yet. I think it's probably going to be getting there very soon. Unfortunately for you, Steve, what do you got? Like one more day on the water yet before you? Yeah, you're just done? just a little bit of fishing here, and then then I'm going to be done. I like to hang it up right around the first of November and, and get in the tree and do some hunting. I've been fishing every day for 200 days, as you know. So typically by this time of year, in fact, by this time last year, we had lakes that were forming ice and starting to freeze. So it's amazing one year to the next. Uh, this year, our lakes here are honestly just reaching turnover. I have water temps 53, 54 degrees on most of my lakes here. And, uh, you know, that's two, three, four weeks behind uh, a typical season and an amazing difference from last year. So it's, you just got to be able to be versatile and then try to play what mother nature gives you on and figure things out as you go. Well, let's talk turnover since you mentioned it. It's on my list of things to talk about for anglers that don't realize it. You know, what is it? What happens? Why is it difficult? Why do we talk about it? There's a whole lot of questions there. Let's just yeah, spend some time yeah, talking about turnover. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so turnover, you know, is typically basically describing uh, when the lake has a, a quicker drastic cool down in the fall. Lakes typically in our region here will stratify in the summer, meaning they have a warm upper surface layer, um, a real defining separating layer, which is called the thermocline, and then a very cold lower layer. Uh, when the water cools in the fall, that surface layer will cool and cooler water is denser than warmer water. So once it reaches the same density or denser uh, state than the cold water below, it basically rolls the lake over. And when it rolls the lake over, bringing all that bottom water up, a lot of times it brings a lot of bottom sediments, a lot of color to the water. You get algae blooms, you get a lot of decaying weeds. Um, It's just generally a stagnant period, and I think there's probably some water chemistry things that go on that make the fishing a lot more tougher. This year, um, with the very drastic, or uh, I wouldn't say drastic, gradual is the word I'm looking for, um, cool down, we didn't have that real sharp difference when you have a real fast cool down in early fall and you go from hot summer temperatures to cool fall temperatures very quickly. You get that hard drastic turnover and I think that creates a situation that uh, in general makes the fishing much more difficult. This year with the gradual drop, the thermocline has basically dissipated very, very slowly over time here in the last few weeks. 
so the turnover I think is going to be really kind of minimal. Uh, I am starting to see a little bit of green, a little bit of weed and stuff, but um, honestly, the lakes are remaining pretty clear, and I think it's just going to turn over very, very quickly, and it's not going to be that huge of an event. So again, every year is a little bit different with that, depending on Mother Nature. My advice to everybody, it's always the same every year. We talk about turnover, and we do it because it's you know the seasonal thing we talk about, is right. go find a river system or yep. really shallow body of water that doesn't stratify. Either you got some moving, if you got some current running through there, you got some moving water, usually you're not going to have that. River systems are awesome for that. Go find one for a week, maybe. You know, maybe if it's this weekend and you think things are potentially turning over, go find one for a week and then come back, you know, a week later, return to your favorite lake. That's always one surefire way to beat turnovers. Just go find a river system and, and you don't have to worry about it. I know you talked about how this one's going to be, you know, kind of a quick deal. Usually, typically, how long does it last? Can it be a week, two weeks? Yeah, it's usually never more than a week. But again, depends on the size of the lake and, and how fast the water cools and things like that. Typically, it's a few days to a week, depending on the body of water. And uh, like I say, if I run into a lake that's severely turning over or there's heavy green and, and that's uh, sometimes you'll even smell it, you know. Um, if I'm in that situation, I'll either go bigger or smaller lake size, or like you mentioned, the best plan is to go with some with flow. Again, that can vary. Um, this year, like I say, I think most of these lakes are just going to kind of have a very minimal or hard to even detect turnover. Um, so I don't think it's going to affect the fishing nearly as much as a normal turnover. And, and obviously we're two to three weeks past when it normally would be. So kind of a crazy deal. I've never, never seen uh, these water temps, these warm, this warm, this late in the season ever in my career. I mean, last year, for example, like you talked about, October, late October, it looked like things were going to freeze up early. I thought our season was over. We get this yeah. warm blast in November. I mean, I was, I opened up the camper again for a weekend to go fishing with my yeah. kids up north. Yeah. The water temperatures were so cold and the air temperatures were so warm that we were doing some trolling there. The uh, the lips on the plastic crankbaits would f- frost up as you pulled them out of the water because of the change, you know, because of the <laughs> yeah. air temperature change. It was the right. craziest thing. So, I mean, that yeah. can definitely, I mean, we've seen that plenty of times before, but I don't know if we've ever seen it this long before turnover. I mean, seriously, Steve, you're going to pretty much end your season and you're going to have dealt with uh, a, a day of turnover potentially, yeah, you know? pretty minimal. Yeah, exactly. Instead of a, a week or two, you know, which, you know, obviously the, the whole turnover process, what will typically happen is the smaller lakes will turn over a little bit faster than the larger lakes. So um, once they start turning, they'll hop on the larger lakes until those smaller lakes finish turning. By then, those larger lakes are starting to turn, and then I'll, you know, I'll hop back to those little lakes and until the process is complete on all the lakes, and then, I, then I'll fish it basically everywhere. Um, this year I've, I've definitely been focusing more on larger lakes and I think that was a, basically combating the hot water temperatures that we started with this uh, early, you know, even in June we had uh, very warm water temperatures, highs in the 90s, things like that. So it kind of pushed me onto larger bodies of water and I just sort of stayed with that theme all the way through the fall and um, it, it certainly worked out for us. Typically I would fish a lot more smaller bodies of water um, than I have been this year, but with uh, with the way the things are going, the bite has been good on the on the bigger waters. The little stuff has stayed warm. Um, and also we have low water here, Jeff. Some of the lakes that I typically like this time of year and like to fish during that turnover period are very, very low. So actually challenging to navigate if navigable at all. So um, another thing to consider if you're venturing to some of your favorite river systems, especially over here in the Hayward area, we're way low on water. So a lot of the rivers are, are quite a bit lower than they normally would be as well. 
Yeah, I know. It reminds me of when I asked you about a particular lake last time I was up there, and you're like, I don't even know if I could fish that lake. It's been yeah, so bad up yeah. there. Yeah, in that lake that we're talking about, there is no way I can get a boat in it as we speak, um, and not even a little boat. So it's just weird. Things are always different. You have to be able to uh, adjust to whatever Mother Nature gives you. We say that over and over again, but the best people, the best fishermen, uh, the best anglers are the most versatile anglers, guys who can figure things out when, when things are a little more difficult. So let's talk about fish location during this turnover time. If you show up on your favorite lake sure. and you're like, hey, this is we've rented a cabin, we're staying here, we're doing whatever, right. this is where I am, this is where I'm going to fish for better or worse, where should anglers be looking at to, if they're going to fish, if they're not going to change lakes, they're going to fish one that's turning, where should they yeah. be concentrating their efforts? Uh, I, I do two kind of things. Basically the best uh, recipe, and it's uh, the recipe that I don't do very often because I'm not a shoreline pounder, but... Um, a lot of times these fish will push extremely shallow and push right up tight to shore, um, maybe in, a, in an effort to get away from all the turmoil that's happening out deeper. So a lot of times I will get to, you know, pound shorelines, um, backs of shallow flats, sh- flats that extend way out. I'll get way up on them. Fishing, you know, glide baits are a great choice, especially during the turnover period. The fish are a little more sluggish, so things that start and stop are usually a good idea. But if it's warm enough, you know, into that mid-50s, sometimes the top water can even work well, uh, depending on the lake and the situation. So that's my usual thing. Um, the other thing you can do is try deeper on the breaks, and, and the fish will move deep fast um, once the lake starts to break down like that. And oftentimes you'll find the fish pinned right down to the bottom, right along that primary break line. So most of the lakes here, that would be in the 10 to 20-foot range. And the fish I'm getting there are usually falling for live bait that's run within a foot or two of the bottom. I'm using weight to position those live baits and then line counters so they know exactly where they're positioned in the water column. And then working real steep breaks and trying to keep that bait close to the bottom, and you'll get some fish that way too. Um, we've talked about it before, Steve, when when uh, anglers are looking at this time of season, especially anglers in Wisconsin, I know Minnesota, you need to choose between live bait or casting, but yeah, in Wisconsin, right. you don't have to do that. It's I mean, for people that aren't doing it, it's a, I don't want to say it's a necessity, but it's definitely beneficial and it can help put, you know, a couple extra fish in your net that, that day or that week or that trip. If you're, if you're out running live bait, cause I don't, I think out of everybody I go fishing with, you probably run it and are more, I don't want to say like passionate about it, but the, anybody I know, I mean, you'll literally run bait anytime that you feel you can keep the bait alive. Yeah, it, it definitely helps and puts the odds up and. Honestly, during this time of year, the bite on lures can become extremely slow. Where casting is basically an exercise to keep you warm and keep you doing stuff uh, while you're waiting for the live bait bites. And not that you don't get the occasional follow and the occasional fish on artificials. We certainly do. Um, but you'd be amazed at the, the percentage of fish that fall for live bait. And, uh, many days, multiple fish, three, four, five fish on live bait where you don't even move a fish on an artificial. So to me it's a necessity when i have people paying me a lot of money to produce results it's a pain in the butt i hate sucker fishing as you know uh, you got frozen live wells and dealing with suckers and keeping things alive and keeping the weeds off the line and this time of year you got the flowing debris and it is a chore uh, but i think it's certainly a worthwhile chore when you catch a big fish and a lot of, a lot of our larger fish this time of year fall for that live bait presentation yeah for sure i mean I know of a few anglers that were out this past weekend and, you know, live bait was the ticket for them too. It was funny that you said that 
uh, casting can be an exercise in keeping yourself warm. That was the exact same argument I presented to <laughs> Alexis. I'm like, come on, Lexi. Like, as soon as you start casting, you know, your arms are going to be moving. You're going to be working a bit. Your yeah. your body's going to stay warmer. I'm like, it's it's not going to be as tormenting as what you think it's going to be. She's like, right. no, Dad, it's just too cold. And I'm like, all right, fine, you win, kid, because... You know what it is when you take kids out fishing. You want them to be comfortable and and have a fun time. And unfortunately for me, catching fish is what I equate to them having a fun time. But right. that's not always the case. Not always the case for sure, for sure. But I, you know, I agree. If you're keeping moving, keeping your brain occupied with working your lure, um, all these things are good and keep you on the water a little bit longer. Keep those suckers soaking a little bit longer. For me, you know, I think. The key with sucker fishing is is preciseness and, and knowing exactly where your where your bait is positioned in the water column, keeping things uh, weighted and line counted so that you know. And then fishing close to the bottom in deeper water than people are used to fishing. Um, we're starting to see that happen. I'd say this week a lot of well, most of my sucker bites came in that fifteen to twenty foot range, which the week before most of our fishing was in ten feet or less. So you know that transition is happening and with these cold evenings and hopefully a little more extended cool weather, those fish will keep pushing deeper and uh, the guys who know how to present their live bait precisely over deep water are certainly the guys that have success around our area this time of year. And then as we move outside of turnover, you know, typically this would be like a mid-October tactic. Right. I, I know I know what your answer is going to be. Like, where are we fishing as we move past this turnover period? Because I think it's going to, like you said, I think it's going to happen kind of quick and, and people are going to be past it quickly. And they're going to be on to the next thing for putting fish in the boat for, you know, we'll right. say in early November now. What's the tactic? Well, that's basically, as I just described, moving deeper and deeper and, and keeping things closer to the bottom becomes very imperative. Um, I'm also targeting what, what we refer to as steep and deep. So so things that uh, have a very steep drop, um, maybe shallow on top, but dropping into steeper water instead of a long extended flat with similar depths coming way out, uh, you want a, a, a real drastic drop in depth. So going from 5 or 10 feet down into 15, 20, and 30, those fish will, will definitely gravitate to those deeper bra- uh, breaks this time of year. And they move around a lot more, so they become a lot more mobile once they're out in that 15 to 30-foot range. They're, abs- they're traveling. They're never kind of where you leave them. So they're generally moving around those break lines, uh, kind of getting ready for winter, looking for their winter areas, and obviously still in the process of feeding heavily. So, um, all those things add up to the fish moving around a lot, uh, but they also gravitate to very specific areas. So I spend a lot more time focusing on just a few really good areas that the, I know the fish will be moving through and I'll spend a lot more time fishing them slowly, uh, presenting baits very close to the bottom. And that depth range can, you know, after turnover can start at that 15 foot range, which I'm, you know, starting to see already. Um, and then drop into 20 and even into 30 feet of water as you get into that extreme late fall just before that ice up period. I think that's where, where a lot of people make the mistake is not moving deep enough, fast enough with the fish once you get post-turnover. And certainly something that I did early in my guiding career was not move deep enough, fast enough um, to keep up with the fish. I struggled with late fall fishing for many years, and I still do occasionally because, you know, it's it's a difficult thing to grasp when those fish move from the normal bars and weed beds that you're used to and, and start relating to very deep gravel, deep rocks in those bases of those break lines. So. Uh, once you figure that out, uh, your fishing success in late fall becomes a lot better. Obviously, suckers are key. Artificial baits, what yep. what are we throwing? So we're throwing, for me, Red October Tubes, the Monster Tube, and obviously Pounder and Magnum Bulldogs. Big Medusas will work as well. 
But the other thing that works, especially as you get later and later into that time period, is vertically jigging. And uh, we do that with uh, the Shumway Fuzzy Does It, which is basically a big blade bait, much like a head and sonar, but a musky sized version. And then the Bondi bait, which is designed for vertical jigging in rivers, actually works very well for vertical jigging along these steep break lines and maintaining, you know, relation to the bottom. Typically, vertical jigging within two to four feet above the bottom and dragging the suckers within that same range. I'm trying to get a vertical jigging expert on, so I'm working on that. So I don't want to go too far into the vertical yeah. vertical jigging deal. But I typically will, I'll literally jig it either on my front sonar right in front of my trolling motor or I'll jig it right below the back sonar so I can watch it like I'm watching sure. ice fishing flasher. Is that kind of what your setup is yep. too? Absolutely. Works awesome that way. And uh, typically I won't have everyone jigging. We'll have a couple guys casting up along the tops of those steep breaks and working the big rubber down the break lines because there's days where those some fish will push up shallower than when you're running live bait. And then I'll typically have one person vertical jigging uh, with either of those choices that I mentioned before. And um, it is awesome when you can have them on the graph and watch and see fish engage. And you'd be amazed at how many fish will follow you around and not bite it. And many times I think the vertically jig baits will also draw muskies to your suckers uh, that are positioned deeper in the water column because they are making vibration. They are making a little bit of a racket down there. So they draw a little bit more attention than a normal sucker just swimming along naturally. So I think you get a little bit of the bait and switch thing going on as well. But that's not a tactic I use a lot until the fish get extremely deep, you know, at that 20 to 30 foot range. Um, although it will work a little bit shallower as well. I can say this from experience. I stumbled upon the vertical jigging thing almost on accident. I got bit off or I lost my last fish on a sucker. I didn't have any more suckers in my tank. And I'm like, oh, great. What else am I going to use to get down deeper? Because much like you, I was I was set down pretty deep uh, digging through my box. And I found this Bondi bait. And I was like, ah, I remembered a little bit about this. And no kidding, you know, less than an hour later, I'm getting a fish on a Bondi bait. And I yep. can tell you I've done it a lot since, and I've caught some more fish. It's Quite honestly, it's one of the most boring tactics, in my right. opinion, to do <laughs> if you're not yep. catching fish. But once you catch a fish yep. on it, it changes your it changes your mind completely. It's, uh, it's pretty cool to catch them on a bondy bait. It's a totally different way to catch them. Or like you said, a fuzzy does it either way. But in, in the interim, while you're not catching them, you just got to stick with it and grind it because it's, yeah. it's probably maybe even potentially more boring than trolling when you're not catching fish trolling. Cause well, it takes that mindset of just being patient and I have it because I know it's going to be a long time in between fish on artificial lures. So like you say, you're kind of doing that exercise of keeping warm and keeping moving. So for me, you know, being patient and waiting for maybe that bite a day or bite every few days isn't hard but you you got to put your brain to that that mode and just know that your sucker is doing the work for you and like you say you like to troll more in the fall but a lot of times i feel like that live bait presentation is, is going to be a little bit more effective especially if the fish are not in a super aggressive state the live bait seems to prevail over any kind of artificial and you can put it in their face and keep it there a little bit longer as opposed to you know going by them real fast with the crankbait or whatever it's always one of those tactics I wonder if would work on Green Bay uh, live baits, you know. You know. I never hear anybody do it, and I've never right. seen anybody. I'm, well, I shouldn't say I've never seen anybody do it. I rarely see anybody do it. The, the problem would be the amount of water that you got to cover. If you had a, a lot of fish located in a smaller area, I think that presentation would probably work pretty well. But getting those fish to stay in a small area for any extended amount of time might be the challenge there. You know, we'll flip back to your rubber comments a little bit. So you're talking about red October tubes, pounders, medusas, mag, mag dogs, and 
do you count those baits down at all or you pretty much let them hit the water and work it like you would typically? you know uh, I, I work them slower uh less ripping uh more pulling pausing and basically envision the bait working down the brake line. So depending on how deep we're starting, if we're starting in five feet or 10 feet, um, I may let them sink a little bit, but I'm generally not counting them down, but I'm working them slow enough that they're maintaining relation to that brake line as they work deeper off the brake. And then as I bring it to the boat, I like to do, work them pretty quickly back up to the surface. So I work them slowly down deep with those long pull pauses and then kind of a quick uprip to bring it up to the boat. And uh, you'd be surprised at how many fish will show up on that quick upper up there at the end. So quick question. We didn't talk about it previously. L- what type of weather would present itself where you would find fish to push back up shallow again? Assuming we, I mean, it's a hypothetical. I don't see anything on the forecast right now that says that right. they're going to do that. But what would be something that would you, that you'd consider to go back up shallow again? So Indian summers post turnover and by Indian summers, you know, those 60, 70 degree days um, in November when the lakes have been past turnover for a significant amount of time. Uh, occasionally you'll see fish move up those real steep breaks and get up on top of the break. Um, usually not a huge window there, but uh, afternoon period, sometimes some nice fish will move shallow again. I don't look for them very often unless I get that kind of a specific situation. Generally, once they move deep, they would like to stay deep. Um, the only the only time I do see them come up is during that Indian summer type of deal. All right, so Steve, before I let you go, let's talk quickly about your season in general. How would you rate it? What What do you think? I mean, you know what what the, what the best baits were this year. Obviously, it's not helping anybody for this season, but what right. you, you know what baits were the best for you this year? And I mean, overall, how was the season? Um, overall, I would say average to a little bit above average on numbers. We had pretty good fishing throughout most of the season. Some nice fish, no 50 inches for my boat this year, but a bunch of upper forties. So that was good. Um, our challenge this year was heat, uh, which we don't normally have that problem here in Hayward so much, but, uh, we had a lot of 90 degree temperatures in June. The season started off pretty good, but we got all these hot days sort of made late June, early July. Um, a little more inconsistent than normal. I think the water just warmed too quickly. Patterns weren't established. The one thing that we did get with with all the sun and the heat was amazing weed growth in almost every lake in the area. So once the water temperatures got a little bit warmer, like I mentioned before, I started focusing on some of the deeper clear lakes that don't hold the heat as much. And they had amazing weed growth down in that 15, 18, even 20 foot range. Uh, So working some of those deeper weeds brought us a lot of success when the water was warmer, when a lot of people were struggling on certain bodies of water, uh, just simply because the fish weren't positioned shallow enough for them to be be in the zone where most people are fishing. And that kind of prevailed. I stayed in those deep lakes, throwing rubber for the most part through late summer. In fact, August was probably one of my best months this year. September was okay, but again, we had that really, really gradual cool down, so we didn't get our normal fast cool down, which typically stimulates a really good blade bite and topwater bite. We did have a decent blade pattern for a week or two. Um, In fact, I had one of the biggest fish on I've had in several years get away from me at the net on uh, on blades. Uh, The topwater bite was kind of stagnant. We did get a few fish on it, but not like last year where I had a really, really strong topwater bite for a week or two there. Uh, this year didn't really develop for me. So again, being versatile is the key. And now as we get into the late fall, um, it's been rubber again, rubber, 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 uh, getting some fish on swim baits, getting some fish on tubes and getting some fish on mag dogs. 
Excellent. Well, first, I appreciate you, you know, taking some time out to talk to me today, Steve. For people that are looking to get in a boat with you next season, how do they go about doing that? Yeah, uh, you can get a hold of me through my website at fishhunts.com, F-I-S-H-H-U-N-T-S. Or you can look me up at Steve Jensen with a G, G-E-N-S-O-N on Facebook. And you can also call my cell phone, 715-558-3709. Or they can always bother you, Jeff, and you can get them my information because you always have it. That's right. I always do. It's uh, for, I'm Anybody that listens to the podcast for a long period of time knows that Steve is probably one of my better friends, maybe potentially my best friend, Steve. So I definitely talk to Steve on a fairly regular basis. It just depends on how busy we are. You're busy. I'm busy. Sometimes yeah. it's three weeks. Sometimes it's three days. Story. You know, doesn't mean that uh, I'm not friends with you. It just means that you know, real life gets. <laughs> <laughs> well, next year you better come up and go fishing a little bit more than you did this year. Yeah, hopefully everything is. I hope next next year is better than this year. It, and I'm not. And I'm not even saying from a fishing standpoint. I just mean in general. Like uh, the fishing for me was good when I was able to go, for the most yep. part. The last three trips I've had out have been a little bit rough, and I think it's making the wrong call, but I, I don't want to say I, I felt like I was making the wrong call before I made the call, but, uh, I just played into, you know, whatever, whatever my daughter wanted to do. I let her make the calls and eventually I hope she grows into making smart, smarter decisions. <laughs> <laughs> we'll ease into that. You'll yeah. get there. <laughs> so anyway, Steve, I appreciate you bailing me out this week. It was a short notice. In fact, it was about a, you know, an hour notice that, Hey, uh, you, you busy this afternoon. I need to get a podcast done for this week. So mm, I appreciate you bailing me out. And, uh, yeah, look forward to, you know, talking to you about, uh, fishing in person. Hopefully we're, uh, we're doing some shows together this year. Yep, for sure. I uh, appreciate it. Uh, thanks always. Thanks as always for having me on and, uh, appreciate it. And we'll talk soon. All right, I'm talking now to Mike, and Mike is the show promoter for the Chicago show and the Milwaukee show. And I've fielded some questions recently on shows, what the what's going to happen with shows. And so I figured, hey, why not go right to the source? This guy knows more than any of us do about the future shows. And I think Mike's going to tell you that if you're interested in coming to shows this year, they're for sure good to go. So, hey, Mike, thanks for taking a little bit of time out of your schedule. I wanted to get you on to that way. This is firsthand. I'm not repeating stuff. What's going on with shows for for this year? I know that Team Rhino Outdoors is planning at being at four of them. We're going to be at Chicago, Milwaukee, Minnesota, and the Wausau show in northern Wisconsin. But we're talking about Chicago and Milwaukee today, Mike, and so let's let's kind of lay it out there. What's going on with shows this winter? Yeah, well, hey, we kick off, obviously, with the Chicago show. It's the first show of the year. Uh, it's January 7th, 8th, and 9th. It's that second weekend, full weekend of the year. This year, we are moving the venue because the... Uh, doesn't run mega center is actually no more my my understanding is it's been demolished we moved down the road we're only about five miles away we're at kane county fairgrounds and that believe it or not is in st charles so being in st charles and being in kane county it's not like we're in chicago proper uh we don't have to do what mayor lightfoot wants us to do she has no impact on us um in fact i'll even put it out there we could have had a show last year i just felt it was not prudent to gamble with everyone's money to have a show. Um, even though at that, at the end of the day, we could have actually had the show. That's also true in Milwaukee, but I'm of the belief that we need to put on an A quality show or as close to an A quality show as we possibly can. 
And I believe we are going to have an A-quality show for 2022 at Chicago Muskie Expo. I put the Chicago in quotes because it really is in St. Charles. And the dates again, January 7th, 8th, and 9th. And then same basic story goes for the Milwaukee show. The Milwaukee show is not in Milwaukee, more Milwaukee County. It's actually in Washington County, which is near West Bend, Wisconsin. It's just south of West Bend, and it's at the Washington County Fair Park. And the dates for that show are February 11th, 12th, and 13th. And again, same thing. We could have had the show last year, but I didn't feel that we could have put on an A show. So we didn't do it. This year, I am convinced we can put on an A show. I fully expect a great lineup of speakers, vendors, the whole nine yards. Obviously, a lot of people just haven't seen all these products under one roof for a long time. So I, I will put it out there that, uh, you know, this is a show you're going to want to want to sign up for. These are shows you're definitely going to want to attend to because I know everybody's going to be bringing their A game. So that's about it in a nutshell. Let's talk quickly about the Chicago show because of the change in venue uh, free parking, lots of parking. What's the situation there? Yeah, it's it's at the King County Fairgrounds, so it is it is a big big site. Uh, the building is about similar in size to the Mega Center. Um, in some ways, it's better laid out just because uh, it's a two wing building with the, the center atrium is going to be where we'll have food, beverages, all that kind of things, and and then the two wings will house all the vendors, and then there's also we'll have another room for speakers and. And, and that type of thing. So the venue itself is good. The parking is free. I, I'm, I'm sure the beer will be cold. The food will be hot and, and the deals will be hot because I know guys like you are going to be bringing your A game when you come to the show. Yeah, absolutely. We've been gearing up all fall long, not only just for shows, but just to uh, restock as I mean, everybody knows the fishing equipment's been, it's been a short supply in certain instances because everybody's been busy and there's, you know, material shortages and, and you know, whatever, but you now Mike, before I let you go, what percentage of vendors do you think have already signed up? And I mean, have you gotten most of the people to commit that usually would commit? I'm guessing, I mean, I know the ones that I've talked to, most of the big names or biggest names in the industry are going to be there. Yeah. I'm really right down to one page of names yet that I've got to just kind of follow up with. Um, obviously there's still some nervous, nervous Nellies out there. And if you're one of those nervous Nellies listening to this, I'm not insulting you. I'm just telling you that, you know, there is some nervousness out there, but uh, is it warranted? Well, after last year, I guess anything is warranted. But I think the rational argument is, is that we are going to have a show. I'm not going to be one of those vendors that's going to, how do I say this? I, I'm not going to be telling people they have to do anything. If you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. If you don't want to wear a mask, don't wear a mask. If you want to be vaccinated, be vaccinated. If you don't want to be vaccinated, don't be vaccinated. I am not going to be there like, a, you know, papers, please, Gestapo police at the door looking for any argument from anybody. And I kind of expect everybody out there to kind of feel the same way. If somebody wants to wear a mask, respect that. If somebody doesn't want to wear a mask, respect that. It's just, you know, this has been an interesting year for everyone. So I think this is kind of one of those years where you just got to bite your tongue and be on your best manners and smile. And I think it's going to be a great time. And quite frankly, I mean, we're now finding that, you know, Merck just came out with a new drug that said basically, basically going to end death for COVID. I mean, I would suspect within 60 days here, I, I mean, I'm going to be really surprised if anybody's even dying from this disease. Um, a million and a half doses have been ordered. I mean, it's going to be distributed. But by the time these shows even hit, I'm hoping COVID is in the rear mirror for all of us. 
Yeah, I know that we would all love to just get back to normal. And this is going to be, you know, one of those sense of normalcy. It might be different, you know, compared to what we've seen in the past, but it's definitely going to be nice for all the vendors to hit the road. It's been a long time since we've, you know, talked face to face with customers. Me being an online business, I don't, I don't have a bait store. Nobody's coming in talking to me. Uh, I, you know, appreciate all the uh, customers that have come out and, and talked to us and supported us, you know, sent emails, but it's not the same as that face-to-face communication that we get at shows. And so it'll be, it'll be interesting. And it'll be nice to get back to that. Yeah. I'm very much looking forward to it. I'm very excited. Um, it's, it's like I said, it's all coming together. It's not even really November. And quite frankly, with this warm weather, I know that there's a few vendors out there that have been just still busy fishing. <laughs> Yep. So they typically get to me as soon as the weather starts turning. And it sounds like it's going to start getting cooler here in Wisconsin. And, and that should, uh, you know, lead to some sucker fishing and some other good stuff. So there you go. Absolutely. All right. Well, Mike, I wanted to let you, I wanted to have you on so that, you know, people could hear from right from the horse's mouth. So it's not secondhand information about uh, shows. I just want to provide everybody with an update. As far as I know, any of the other shows are, are, are a go. I mean, as of right now, so I've, were, I've, I have heard, I have heard directly that everybody is, is ready to go. Minnesota is ready to go. Wausau is ready to go. So it sounds like everybody's uh, looking, looking forward to the future. And like you say, I think a lot of people are just ready to put COVID in the rear view mirror. And, and I think that's exactly what's going to happen. So yeah. thanks, you, Jeff. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah. Thank you, Mike. And if you haven't been out to a show yet, it's definitely worthwhile to check it out. I'm sure speaker lineups and all that stuff will be announced real soon because it's, it's going to be that time of year. So if you, you know, if you like these podcasts, it's kind of like that, you know, you can get in there, you can get some, you know, question and answer from many different pros. I mean, there's typically uh, nine, 10 speakers throughout the course of a weekend. If you make it an entire weekend, you know, it's definitely a, a learning you know, an area where you can definitely learn from. And so if you, uh, you know, if you're looking, if you're a new angler and we know we've picked up tons of new musky anglers and they may never even had the opportunity to come to a show, didn't even know anything about them, definitely check them out. The, uh, we're looking at the Milwaukee Muskie Expo, the Chicago Muskie Expo. We're looking at the Minnesota Muskie Expo and the, the uh, I think it's called the Wisconsin Muskie Expo up in Wausau. So those are the ones that we're going to be at. And then we just got done, you know, we're talking here with Mike and he's in charge of the, uh, the Milwaukee Chicago show. If I can add one more thing, uh, tickets are on sale. We do finally have them in our possession and they are online. If you want to pay by credit card, the way to do it is to buy them beforehand. All, all ticket day sale is all cash. So if you need to use your credit card, you want to use your credit card, go to muskieexpo.com. You'll find the Chicago or the Milwaukee uh, shows buy a ticket button and you can buy it with a credit card. Um, that's my last, my last sales pitch for you there, Jeff. Thanks. Awesome. Well, thank you for taking time out of your schedule. We appreciate that. I'm glad that we were able to get you on. We'll have you on probably I'd imagine maybe a week or so before the show. And that way we can kind of get, uh, kind of let people know what to expect when they come to a show, what they got for speakers and, and that kind of stuff. But for now, I just wanted to get pass along the word that if you are interested in Muskie Expos, they are a go for 2022. So thanks again, Mike. Thank you, Jeff. So that's another episode of Backlash Podcast. I want to thank all of our listeners for taking time out of their schedule to uh, listen to the podcast each and every single week. We can't thank you enough. Our podcast has been growing and growing and growing, although I suspect at some point here we're going to lose some listeners because they're going to drop off and they'll rejoin us again in the spring. That's typically how things go. 
I would have thought guys have been gearing up and wanting to listen to as much musky stuff as they can in the off season, but apparently they go ice fishing and they uh, must listen to ice fishing podcasts. I don't know. We anticipate uh, a slight drop off, but we're going to try to pump up the volume with some quality guests yet, and we're not uh, giving up on the podcast at any time soon. So just a little bit off week, a little shorter podcast than we typically would have, but that's going to happen once in a while. We're going to continue to get on the water. We're going to continue to put out podcasts and We'll report back to you with the uh, with the results this fall. Thanks again for listening this week, and we'll catch everybody with another podcast next Wednesday.